Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sport Intern Special podcast with me, Ashish Sharma. Sport fans all around the world, athletes from all competing nations, officials and distinguished guests, good evening and welcome to the Beijing 2022 Paralympic Winter Games. the leader of our organization with inclusion at its core, where diversity is celebrated and differences embraced. I am horrified at what is taking place in the world right now. The 21st century is a time for dialogue and diplomacy, not war and hate. to invite the President of the People's Republic of China, His Excellency Xi Jinping, to declare open the Beijing 2022 Paralympic Winter Games. So the Beijing Paralympics are underway with a wonderful and colourful opening ceremony featuring an introduction by the International Paralympic Committee President Andrew Parsons and with a Chinese President Xi Jinping officially opening the Games. In this episode, we continue with part two of our interview with Andrew Parsons. The backdrop to the Paralympics is the ongoing conflict in the Ukraine. The IPC initially decided to allow Paralympians from Russia and Belarus to take part as neutral athletes. But as protest to that decision grew, the IPC quickly reversed that stance and Russian and Belarus athletes are no longer taking part. With the circumstances having changed so dramatically in the build-up to these games, it's almost easy to forget that one of the biggest concerns in getting the Paralympics to Beijing was the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. In this part of our interview with Andrew Parsons, I began by asking him about that challenge and the effectiveness of the playbooks. Well, we saw it during the Olympics and we had our team, a part of our team here during the Olympics, uh, working and preparing for the Paralympics. Again, it worked, uh, you know, to have days with, with zero cases is just unbelievable in any part of the world. So we, probably, we are probably in the safest place on this planet uh, when it comes to COVID-19. 
And still, the numbers we are getting from the organizing committee continue to show that uh, the countermeasures are very effective and the closed-loop system, is uh, it will continue to work for the Paralympics. And, and, and just sort of looking at uh, the actual winter games that have just finished, how do you assess those Olympic Games? You know, you, you've perhaps not had the close proximity that you'd like to have uh, experienced it, but from watching it and from seeing it and from talking to people, how, how, what, what are your sentiments and, and views on it? Well, I think three different perspectives. Uh, one is uh, as someone who is who was preparing for for the Paralympics and having some of the, our team here and interacting already with uh, with Beijing 2022 uh, during games time uh, and working with the IOC team. Uh, very good impression for, of, from an operational point of view, uh, high level of delivery, the venues they work, the, the different uh, pro, uh, operations such as transport, the village, everything works really well and everything worked really well during the, the, the Olympic games. Uh, of course, I was in contact with my IOC uh, friends who were here, and I spoke with a few of them after the games, and they were they were all super impressed with the games, but also with with let's say with the country. They said, you know, the, we saw one shine in two thousand and eight. We're seeing another one, even more developing in twenty twenty. Uh, and of course, by, I watched a lot of sport on TV during uh, during the Olympics. You know, I was going. Because of the time zone, I was going to bed four o'clock in the morning after long nights of sport. And it was just amazing to see the sport was of the highest level. Uh, the different stakeholders were happy. Our team here was happy. So it was a very, very successful edition of the game. So one can only wonder what will have been uh, these games without COVID. Uh, but, you know, even, even for games delivered during pandemic, they were really successful games. So that's what we hope for the Paralympics as well, because that what we're seeing here is the same level of commitment from the organizing committee and the Chinese authorities. Yeah. Uh, how frustrating was it for you not to be able to attend the games? And, and do you feel that that may have had any slight impact in the final, you know, bits and pieces of preparation uh, for the Paralympics? No, because uh, I was not. Uh, coming here as IPC president, I was coming here as an IOC member, so I was not here to perform duties related to the preparation for the Paralympics. So, of course, I was disappointed because, you know, uh, uh, it's important. It, it's, the relationship between the IOC and the IPC is excellent, and it's always good to interact with them. So I couldn't attend the session for the IOC session, for example. So in one side, it was disappointing, uh, but at the other, you know, on the other side, I was so, let's say, committed to follow the guidelines and uh, for the success of these games that when my first test came positive, I said, look, that's okay. it. I'm not going, okay. you know, that this is the rule. This is the rule. So I need to follow the rules as anyone else. So to me, it was clear what I needed to do. It was disappointing. I, I, I said on social media that I was disappointed, but, you know, I, uh, I had very mild symptoms so to me, yes, I tried at the time to look for uh, uh, through positive lenses, like better now than during than before the Paralympics, a better now than on my arrival in Beijing. So that's because then I would have to isolate, be a burden to the organizing committee. So I, I didn't want to do that. So I try to to I always try to stay positive. Uh, it's difficult because some people had this variant and ended up in hospitals. Some people lost their lives. In my case, that it was very mild. Maybe it was better to have it so I could have all my antibodies together with the 
three vaccines I, I, I had prepared for the Paralympics, but you know, uh, not, not all of people in the world are preparing themselves to go to the Paralympics. So it depends a lot. Paralympians perhaps in some cases are maybe more vulnerable than um, uh, other athletes might be. How much of a, a, a challenge has it been in that sense, both, I suppose, for Tokyo as well, and of course for Beijing in, in preparing and putting together and organizing all of the safety measures that you would need to for these Olympics with the backdrop of this uh, nasty virus that, that we have you know, still in the world? Well, actually, the the research that we, that we have shows that uh, Paralympians are not more likely to get the virus. Uh, some of them, depending on the type of disability on the level, then let's say the effect of the virus, yes, then it can be more severe, but not that uh, they are more likely to contract the virus. So in terms of, for example, the countermeasures for the Olympics and the Paralympics, they are the same. Um, but of course, any athlete uh, preparing for the Paralympics, they were, first of all, concerned on their health. So, uh, uh, and of course, before Tokyo, we had the, let's say the, I will call it the original uh, COVID-19, so which in many cases was more, more severe than this new variant, but this variant spreads more. So in terms of the preparation for these games, uh, it was really important to be very strict on the and the concept of the closed loop maybe if these games uh if we were delivering these same games two years uh, uh in the past it would have been different but now uh i think the closed loop and the very strict rules they are extremely necessary and uh, uh because even though the majority of the um, people contracting the virus get mild symptoms you still have some severe case some deaths associated with this new variant but and, and this is complicated for athletes to prepare themselves um, when they have at the same time to try to not get infected. And of course, this is something that affects them on a, on a mental level because they don't want to get infected two weeks prior uh, to the and not come to the Paralympics or in a special moment of their preparation, meaning, for example, a qualification event. So, yeah, it's 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 it has been a, an extra burden for any athlete around the world since the pandemic started and two years and something ago. Uh, in all the different Paralympic Games where we faced issues in the past, uh, Tokyo, Rio, you know, the opening ceremony was this moment that, look, from tomorrow on is about sport, is about the athletes, uh, and they always deliver. And I know that you've said that you're looking at Beijing Paralympics to be a benchmark for future games. Can you expand a little bit on that? In, in, in what way... Do you, do you see that and how do you see that establishing itself forward? Well, we had it. We, we, we based this on, on what happened in 2008. Uh, if you think on the last editions of the Paralympic Games and compare to, to how the games were delivered some 20 years ago, they are very different. And the additional Paralympic Games that really uh, raised the bar high was 2008 Beijing. If you compare, for example, uh, Athens and then Beijing, and you know, then London was very successful and Rio, despite the challenges in Tokyo. But the game that really took it to another level was Beijing. And, and we believe that uh, they can do the same in the winter side here. You know, Sochi was great games, Pyeongchang the same, Vancouver 2010, spectacular games. But these games here can, can take it to another level. You know, we have more sports, more athletes than ever before. We have more, more uh, 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 
people from different parts of the world here. That, so we are going to new counters, not only the traditional winter sport counters. So we believe that these games here, because of the tech, of the you know high level of delivery, the operations, and and the commitment of the organizing committee to these games, which is in the same level as their commitment to the Olympics, can really uh, let's say influence how the future editions of the Winter Paralympics will be delivered. Recently, the IPC announced a PLY initiative, officially giving Paralympic Paralympians a title uh, in their name. How, how do you think this will change the landscape of the Paralympic movement and, uh, uh, and the Paralympic Games as well? Well, I'm not sure it will change the landscape of the, of the Games, but it's, it's a recognition to our Paralympians. It's something they're really proud of. Uh, of course, we know that in the Olympic side, for a few years already, they, they had the Oli, and this prompted uh, one of our members to, to raise that issue at, at recent General Assembly, and it was approved by our GA, and then we, we, we are implementing it now. So I think it's a recognition, it's something that the Paralympians would be proud of, of add to their names, and because they are proud of being Paralympians, you know. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was 30 years ago or if it was last week that they competed at the Paralympics. And I think this uh, in different parts of the world, uh, if you're proud of who you are or what you have achieved, I think it sends this positive message. And this is what we need and visibility for persons with, disab with disability. I think uh, if you see our campaign with the 15, it's about telling to the other 85% of the world's population that there are 1.2 billion persons with disability. So visibility is the first step to getting to equality and to get to inclusion. So the PLI, go, I think it goes into that direction of, of associated a very positive message of being a Paralympian in past editions and add it to your own name, to your own identity. And, and we've seen the IOC very much targeting younger audiences, looking at urban sports uh, and sort of bringing in, you know, we saw in, 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 in Tokyo for the first time, surfing, skateboarding. Uh, are you looking down that direction as well? Is that something the RPC envisages itself going down uh, as a route? Well, I, I have to answer this in two, in two ways. Yes, we are targeting uh, uh, young audiences. We believe that they represent the next generation of, of leaders, not only political leaders, but leaders in society uh, who will grow up with a more uh, inclusive approach. You know, and then this is fundamental. Not only the future mayors or presidents or prime ministers, but entrepreneurs, owner of businesses, uh, restaurants, or whatever. Uh, so yes, we are targeting young, young audiences. Uh, and when it comes to the sport program, we just launched now the process for selection of the, of the sports for the LA games. Uh, and, but of course, so we are uh, uh, opening up this process. And of course, we saw what happened in Tokyo with some of these uh, sports, some skateboarding, surfing. So we see that they want to be part of the Paralympics as well. And this is, this is refreshing because it shows that you know, we grew to a point where these sports, they want to join the Paralympic movement. In the past, it was the other way around. We needed to bring sports to the Paralympics so they could grow. And now these sports that are you know, uh, ready to be part of the program, they are in the process. Um, uh, we can only have 20, um, up to 23 sports. Uh, 4,350 athletes. Uh, we have limits, so we cannot have all the sports. So, but it's good to have options, and it's good to have these sports that are more urban and and targeting youth, wanting to be part. And we know that uh, they can provide something uh, 
different in the Paralympic Games program, but it's it's too early in the process to know if they will be successful. There, there's a lot of components to, to be assessed. That was Andrew Parsons, the president of the International Paralympic Committee, chatting to me earlier. Well, that's all for this edition of the Sport Intern Special Podcast. Don't forget, you can catch up with all the latest news from the world of sport by subscribing to the Sport Intern Newsletter, produced Monday to Friday. Until our next episode, stay safe. Stay safe.